are the squirrels working yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they've, been, they've been working early today. Oh, I know. It's been freaking crazy. Like, <laughs> I uh, I actually got home, like, at like 7 o'clock, no, like 8 o'clock last night. And oh, really? Unloading everything off the RV, loading it into the car, bringing it home. Right. Unloading it, getting the laptop hooked up and all that. It's been crazy. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to try and unplug this headset. I don't think I need it. We'll find out in a minute. All right. Nice try, Patrick. <laughs> All right, let's see if I can let's see if I can hear you. Hello? I can. Excellent. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. Looks like Lone Alpha Wolf says we got a five by five. Welcome to the show, everybody. Sorry, I, I sorry I didn't do a show yesterday. I was on the road, running down the road from a uh, oh, wrong button. You're All fine. Right. Yeah, there we go. All right, and um, Las Vegas was great. Thank every thanks to everybody who showed up. Litecoin Lisa, uh, uh, Crypto Angels, everyone else. It was an amazing show. We had had tons of energy. Once again, let me move this over here. Mr. Mr. Reyes made it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. He, uh, he, he had a photo of the location on his Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, it was a great event, great event, and lots, lots of freedom-loving people out there. It's um, uh, we got a question from David. Hey Ben, no more YouTube, uh, not right now, but um, maybe actually. The uh, let's just say they finna hear from my lawyer soon, so. That's getting all lined up. Oh, I want to make an announcement. And this, I have a few friends over at Coindesk and a few other publications. Um, I've been thinking about how much I'm going to sue YouTube for. And I've decided that a good marketing idea would not to just sue YouTube for US dollar. Oh no, I'm suing them for 50,000 Bitcoin. Oh yeah, I want paid in Bitcoin. Go big or go home. And it is, I I want it 
I want the CEO to transfer it out of his personal wallet. I know you got it, you limey bastard. It is, it, the reason that I'm going to sue the shit out of YouTube is because somebody's got to. And hell, why not me? Why not get 50,000 Bitcoin? And um, uh, hey, Zuck, you might want to buy that soon, pal. Because the longer you wait, the more U.S. dollars it's going to cost you. So you might want to call up a friend of mine at an over-the-counter, uh, maybe like Caleb and Brown. They, they're, they'll definitely help you out. It is, they got, they have until the end of October to reinstate my channel. And I will be sending them an official letter. Actually, probably my lawyer will be sending them. A, I'm going to respond to one of their emails and say, look, reinstate my channel. And I might not sue you. Do not reinstate my channel, and I definitely will sue you. Reinstate it by the end of this month. We're probably going to be okay. But if you don't, I'm going full force suing your ass. And it's going to be a public, public suit. I, I thought Section 230 was supposed to be re rewritten by now taking these guys from being a platform to being authors. Well, we'll find out soon enough. Okay. Because, you know, they're, uh, they, they provided a cert, uh, a service that I paid for. I actually paid for the top membership. <coughs> And that membership granted me rights. When, when you make a purchase of a service, that is entering into a contract. Once there's an exchange of, of value, any lawyer will tell you that you have a valid contract once you've exchanged uh, something of value. And me and YouTube have exchanged values. And they said that they were terminating my, uh, my channel, but they did not give me a listed offense in which I could dispute. They have to have it in the rules and obligation sections of the contract on exactly which rule I broke. And I've never gotten a strike. I've never gotten anything. So there was no attempt 
honest player attempt to correct the situation inside of the membership agreement. That's, that's a no-no. Yeah. Uh, you know, though, somewhere there's the Philadelphia clause that allows them to do anything and everything that they want to do. It would be found to be unreasonable, but you, you know that statement's in there somewhere. Well, see, that's okay, because I know that law is just an illusion. So does my lawyer. Yeah. So, it, it, so he's a magician. A wordsmith. Because law is actually based on legal definitions of words. And and the interpretation of the word or whatever words or sentences that your argument's actually based on, that is what a judge rules on. On if your interpretation of the law is the original intent of the law. And it's it, it's all horseshit. If Patrick, if I said that you had red hair, and you said, oh no, I have Auburn hair, then you and I legislated that. It would be up to a jury to decide actually based on their opinion what color your hair is. Law is not right or wrong. Law is interpretation. And all you have to do, this is why lawyers do not like courtrooms. All you have to do is have a sympathetic client. If it fits, you quit against a big, bad corporation. Yeah. I'm just a truck driver trying to get a nut. All I did was put out my videos and my honest, simpleton interpretation of what I feel is going on in the world. I feel like I've got no voice in this world. And big bad YouTube has crushed my little voice. They have told me that I am not important. My voice? What kind of democracy do we live in? We don't. We live in a, a representative republic. Oh, it's been hard on me. In fact, most of the 50,000 BTC I'm suing for is for pain and suffering. My penis quit working. And it has been hard on my wife. Or actually, it hasn't. 
It's been soft on my wife. And so for my wife's and my pain and suffering, oh, it's a noodle. <laughs> it used to be so powerful and strong. Now it just looks like a hot dog that was left in the microwave too long. <laughs> Sympathetic person. And that is me. I worked my way up the last four years on YouTube from one viewer and one sub up to a modest 27,000 subs and many thousands of viewers. And YouTube, with one flick of their liberal limp wrist, Took it all away. So, you'll hear from my lawyer. Now, let's talk cryptos. Let me answer a question. International Monetary Fund, Chad. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's what we're going to talk about. The International Monetary Fund, the central banks of the central banks, has announced that by 2025, they're going to have this blockchain central bank currency thing figured out. And yes, Jim Flanagan, I did have millions of views. My last check, I had 47 million views. So, a few people watch me. <clears throat> And through the discovery phase, one more thing on YouTube, through the discovery phase, I will be asking for all of the algorithmic applications applied to my channel that will indicate whether or not there was internal influence on my numbers. The discovery phase is always the best phase of any trial. So back to IMF. They announced that they'll have this figured out by 2025 and they're gonna institute and send out the International Monetary Fund coin or whatever the hell and it 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 will be over the uh, the hundred and something countries that that they deal in uh, the issue with that is the credibility of the IMF over the next four years do you think that's going to grow, Patrick? Do you think that all of a sudden more and more 
people are going to move towards a centralized system? Or do you uh, think more and more people will be moving away from a centralized system? Uh, yeah, they're going to be running away from from anything that's centralized. Absolutely. Now, we've talked about this in the past. A country or a financial institution does not hold a reserve just because they value it. A monetary institution holds a reserve because they're partners and because other entities that they do business with value it. We've already heard that Venezuela, the Bitcoin and Litecoin are legal tender. Mind you, I said Litecoin. Oh, and got a little heads up from a friend of mine. Uh, cannot disclose his friend's name, but, man, he looked very good in Vegas. Um that uh, the announcement from PayPal is going to look favorably on Litecoin. End of sentence. Just saying that. Am I rubbing my eye enough? No. <laughs> Do I need to pull my ear? Do I need to pull my other ear? Oh, Whitey Herzog it. For those of you who don't live in St. Louis or never watched early, uh, late, well, 1970s. To, when was he? The Cardinals? Uh, from like 74? To, to like 84. Wasn't it? 84. Because I know that he was there when we got Ozzy Smith in 1978. I think, yeah. It was something like that. But the point is, the IMF is going to hold the Bitcoin in reserve. Not because they want to because they'll have to. So many entities, and this has to do with Square. This has to do with, um, with PayPal. This has to do with Twitter. Um, Square just went and got a bunch of Bitcoin, didn't they? Yeah, yep, they got <laughs> They got $50 million yeah. worth of Bitcoin. That's just the beginning. And rumor is it, Jim Flanagan, rumor has it, <laughs> that uh, Square, PayPal, all of the major players will also be offering Litecoin. <laughs> Now, what's, let me explain the important 
importance of this. How many people were around when Litecoin hit Coinbase? I was. It went from $12 to like Ninety. I remember when it broke a hundred. It to a hundred dollars in about two months. My boy Ken Bozak was a was there way before that. So was I. Exactly. I I was around when Charlie Lee still worked at Coinbase, and everyone. Uh, I, I think I got my first Litecoin under four dollars. I think it was like three twenty-five. Wow! Wow! And, <coughs> and I went balls deep because Char Charlie Lee. Um, I we I remember I swapped it on Exodus. Or no, I, I wasn't even using Exodus back then. What was I using? Um, shit. Another app that I can't remember. Um, shit. They're, they aren't really around anymore. Um, but they, um, I swapped some Bitcoin and uh, then like three months later, Charlie Lee announced that he was leaving Coinbase and uh, and was going to solely focus on uh, on uh, on on Litecoin development. If you guys remember, this is when Segwit and this is before all that shit. This is this is going back some time. And and as soon as he announced that he was leaving Coinbase, I bought more because I knew bingo. And not four weeks later, Charlie Charlie Lee put out a tweet and actually tagged the CEO of Coinbase. And said, hey, now look, that I no longer work there, how about we list Litecoin on Coinbase? And he, and good old Brian Armstrong goes, great idea. No shit. <laughs> and I hodled the whole time. And it went up to like $389. Well, actually on Coinbase, I think it broke 400 on Coinbase. Hoddled the whole time. Because if you think that Litecoin's very top price that it's ever gonna be is $400. You crazy. 
Yeah, old Snippy sold his at 25 bucks. <laughs> hey, Snippy's doing good, though. I That wasn't a good trade. But Snippy, um, Snippy's doing all right. He's actually done all right. It, uh, not, not with the Litecoin trade. But my point is this. If you think that that Litecoin and Bitcoin and Ethereum and and all and friggin' Divi, see what I want people to understand about the Divi project is you think that in four years with the rate of adoption of not just cryptos, but cryptocurrency and blockchain modeled retirement and investment opportunities grow. You don't think that a project that's been around since 2007, actually 16, yeah, like 2000, early 2017 isn't going to be looked at as an OG uh, blockchain. There's going to be people in five years that buy their first Litecoin, that buy their first Bitcoin. And that's when only about 30% of the population is, is, is in at that time. Now, Litecoin, just based on the 1.1 million people that were on Coinbase at the time, ran from $12 to $400. Square, PayPal, all these other platforms have hundreds of millions of users. And if you understand what the PayPal and the Square and Twitter and Facebook and all of these other social media platforms are turning into, then you understand that they're gonna need they're gonna need wrapped digital currencies in their reserves. Let me say that again. Facebook is going to be wrapping their coin. Shut up, serious little sister. I'll sue your ass too. Going to be wrapping their coin 
around the Bitcoin, around Litecoin, around the high liquidity digital currencies. They're going to wrap Ethereum. You talk about digital scarcity. There, there are projects that I know of that are purchasing the Bitcoin right now to wrap it into a protocol where the Bitcoin never leaves the protocol. The protocol and distributes more of their tokens as the price of Bitcoin goes up. It's basically, it's basically taking a pound of gold and turning the printer on as the pound of gold's value goes up. Not before. You don't devalue the currency. You in you increase the value of the currency, actually based on the gold's value. But the gold is locked away in code. If you can't see where this is all going. And the news about the Divi is it's cheap right now. If you didn't get Litecoin under a dollar, if you didn't get the Bitcoin under a hundred dollars, you think that the Divi project with all of the people that they're working with. And that's going to include Kraken with launching Ameri- launching products in America. Uh, did you watch the five at five I did with with Nick and Jeff on Friday. Did you hear the news about how the uh, the money manager reached out to the Divi project and wants to create a financial instrument that is eighty percent U.S. Treasuries, twenty percent friggin' divvy, so that they can offer a seven to eight percent return in investment to their clients. If you don't think that more and more 
of these financial institutions and more and more of these financial managers aren't going to be diversifying their clients' portfolio and getting exposure to Bitcoin and Litecoin and Ethereum and the Divi and EOS and Cardana, Cardona, whatever you want to pronounce it. Did uh, if you're in cryptos for the long haul, especially with the Divi project that pays pays you a monthly dividend. If you're not actually buying up some Divi now to launch a masternode, you may want to look at the project. I got a guy in Florida that's working on buying his fourth freaking diamond. Not the silver, not the platinum, the diamond, the diamond node. <clears throat> this is not a stupid man. That's a 10 million Divi node. Yeah, that's 10 million that, Divi. That's fucking nuts. At today's prices? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's $378,000. But he's making 20 grand a month off of it. Yeah, it, it pays for itself. It pays for itself in about 17 months, I think. Yeah. This. This guy can't buy enough Divi. <laughs> Literally, when he goes to buy, it actually takes him a month just to buy what he wants to buy. Because he doesn't want to push the price up on himself. <coughs> and the Divi project is not the only project. Mind you, I think right now it is. All right. I stand corrected. It's three and a half years for payoff okay. for break even. So you double your money in three and a half years. No, you double your divvy yes. in three and a half years. Yeah. What if that divvy is worth 50 cents a dollar? And before you say, oh, Ben, oh, Ben, you're crazy. You're crazy, Ben. I know a guy who bought Ripple at under one one hundredth of a penny. It hit three dollars. 
Where? How do you? Three dollars. In the last run up. That was what three years ago. I'm telling you guys right now, there's nothing but opportunity in cryptos. Why do you think I'm on my blockchain unmasked tour, which I I will be in Texas on Saturday at the Wild Ass Haymarket. I leave Thursday afternoon. It is It is, Patrick, would you say that you're, you're happy you got into cryptos? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, it, it's, it's been an interesting ride, but it's not, it's not for the week. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And it's not going to be for the week. No. For no. about 10 years. Yeah, but I go, I go back to um, my main point on all of this is that it's it's still way early in all of this, and it's not so much that we're getting into it. I mean, we are getting into it from an investment perspective, but the dynamics of it are going to change absolutely uh, at, at, at an exponential level once corporate adoption takes place and these platforms are built into the current business models. It's, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get you, you literally, you literally have to wrap your mind around the idea that what we are talking about now, with like Divi and Litecoin and Bitcoin and Ethereum and all this. This is not going to be common financial lingo for at least five years. But when it is, it is going to be substantially larger values. Substantially. There, right, we, we are the people in the community that talked about the internet in 1990, 1988, 1989. Those people lived, breathed, and ate the internet. Or the bull, I, I actually go back to like 87- when it wasn't even the internet, it was just bulletin boards. Do you remember that, Patrick? Yes, I do. I do. I had a friend <clears throat> that I worked with uh, at the Federal Reserve Bank, and this guy was on their police force. Um, he was, in many respects, um, he had a lot of the same characteristics as you, um, studied picked up stuff on the internet um, and was into the bulletin boards and he would talk about them. And I would go, what the hell is this? 
and he would explain it to me. And I said, all right. And I'd go over to his place and he'd get on and show me how this worked. And it was fascinating. Of course, I mean, it was unfiltered, except oh, for the end. Oh, it was the wild, wild west of, I, of cyberspace. It was freaking nuts. I remember getting on one of the most popular worldwide, you know, bulletin boards called Frogger. Yeah, yeah. And you had the green screen. You had that, you know, you'd, yeah. you'd sit... You do your dial up with your phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> DSL. My friend who introduced me to the whole worldwide, you know, web thing was named John. This this guy was a nerd. He built his own computer in like 1984. Oh, sure. And First kid on the block with solar panels all over the roof of his house. By the way, that guy works at Charter Communications right now as the lead, uh, like the CTO. Wow. Of Charter. Never went to college a day in his life. Oh, no, no, he did. He went to Wash U, uh, and then he dropped out after like a month. Charter is Spectrum now for oh yeah uh, Spectrum yeah so now this guy that never went to college but at the age of twelve was writing computer programs for IBM Commodore sixty four whatever language was out or whatever I can remember him recording programs on to a regular uh, uh, cassette. He'd write a program, take a regular music cassette, put it in there and record or, or you know, load his program onto the cassette. And oh, then he got those big floppy disks. Oh yeah, the five and oh, a quarter. He thought he was a shit. He was like, oh, "This yeah. thing holds like a hundred, a hundred k." You know. Yeah. <laughs> See that box with fifty? I need those to record one program. Yeah. Yeah. This this marker holds more than a hundred k right now. That's where we're at in cryptocurrency, but the rate of adoption because it all is shareable and upgradable assets, five years. Oh. We're, we're going to jump from 1984 mm -hmm. to 2000 and seven or two thousand yeah two no when did the iPhone come out wasn't that two thousand seven I think it was 
Yeah. We're going to jump from 1984, the equivalent, from 1984 to 2007 in the next five years. Like that. And projects like the Divi Project and the Divi Labs and the Ethereum Alliance and all that. And that's what we're going to talk about on the Patreon channel. Uh, not, uh, do I have time for a Patreon? I don't, but I need to. I might just talk about it on the red. Fuck it, I'll talk about it now. Let's round this up to a nice good hour. All right. The structure of the globe economically is set by the elites. I know people go, oh, the Bilderbergs. Oh, that's such a conspiracy theory. No dipshit. They actually meet every year. They have since the Bretton Woods. All right. This is the group that chooses the leaders, that chooses the countries, that chooses the platforms. Did you know, do you want to know what actually killed the MySpace? MySpace, the old, you know, Facebook. It was Bilderberg. They killed it because they couldn't control it. So what did they do? The year that the year prior to killing MySpace, they had um had in their meeting and look it up, it was like 2004, 2005, something like that. The name on, on their agenda was, was all, all altering the individual uh, social platforms of the internet. That was the headline of their their little meeting. And wouldn't you know it, the CIA and the DARPA project yeah. started working on a project called LifeLog six months later. LifeLog closed its doors the day that Facebook launched. Did you know that? The very day that they turned on Facebook is when the life log was unplugged. And no one told Justin Timberlake about that because nope. he invested $100 million in uh, MySpace when they were trying to revamp it and bring it back to life. Yeah, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Nope. Oh, yeah. It, it was dead. Because 
they deemed it to be so. And how do they deem it to be so? And how do they make it be so? Well, the people at Bilderberg, what they do, and this includes bloodlines and, and my sons at Yale. Don't worry, we can figure, you know. Skull and Bones Society. Skull and Bones. Right. This happened with Microsoft. Right. But don't ever let them tell you that whole, we, we was in a right. Horseshit. Right. Bill Gates' father was the CEO of Planned Parenthood, was a huge progressive, went to the Bilderberg, the Bilderberg meetings, went to a lot of the uh, uh, Council on for on Foreign Relations meetings. And all of a sudden, in about 1974, the DARPA project came up with this software that once shrank into a personal sized hardware system could be implemented into a personal computer. But my gosh, my gosh, what about Microsoft? Well, then the DARPA project in coordination with MIT and several other universities that just one young man that had a great bloodline just happened to be going to. Oh yeah, that, that was Bill Gates. Yeah. And all of a sudden he dropped out just, dad, I'm done. I'm done, dad. Yeah, no shit, dumbass, because I'm handing you a fucking gold mine. All of a sudden, here's these fine, young, strapping nerds in their garage that come up with the hardware configuration and all they need is an operating system. Yeah. Oh, gee, shucks, fuck. Where are we going to find us a good operating system? Oh, I know. How about Texas Instruments that just happened to buy it from DARPA? So the basic programming language was sold to... Texas Instrument, who just happened to sell it to these two kids working in their garage. And all of a sudden, <gasps> Microsoft is bored. Really? 
really. So Texas Instruments receives this operating system and goes, you know what, man, this thing's got no future. Never mind that we have the hardware to, you know, load it up. We have the supply chains. We have all the things that can work with it. No, 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 no. Let's sell it to this little noodle neck fucking kid here and see what him and old Wozniak can do with it. Then all of a sudden, this noodle neck kid and Wozniak start getting these unusual investors. In fact, if I recall correctly, they were dark investors, which means, oh wait, not dark investors. They called them angel investors. For this wonderful, new, amazingly portable microcomputer. In fact, you know what, let's call it a personal Oh, somebody brings CNN in here. They're on the brink of a revolution. This is not on accident. This is an agenda that rolls out and is planned out years in advance. Because in 1954, actually a little bit earlier, the the progressive education system started to test young students on their aptitude. Patrick, you might remember this. Whenever all of a sudden they started pluck out the 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 intelligent students and oh you know what we're going to put you in this special class of the public schools and we're going to groom you and then once you graduate high school we're going to work That is talent right there. Oh. Being able yeah. to freeze that way. You froze. It was, it was in a great yeah, pose. Well, that may have been Twitter going down. <laughs> See, this is why they took down my Facebook. Because I can, ex- or my YouTube. Because I can explain the system they built. That then they started rewarding, giving grants and uh, and college, you know, credits and all this stuff. They just started 
rewarding the um, the well-groomed kids. And where where did they start hiring them? Well, I, you know what? They started hiring them in the federal government. And they created these entities like the DARPA program and also a few others like MKUltra. All of these intellectual, smart children and young adults, all of a sudden, with the guidance of their amazingly and ironically German uh, professors, gee, you look a whole lot like the guy that used to wear a fucking swastika. Professor Paperclip. Yeah, I was going to say Professor Paperclip. Yeah, Professor Paperclip. Uh, that that <laughs> these students were now involved in these um, these projects like DARPA and 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 all that. And then what happened? Then you started coming up with these new entities called NGOs, non-government organizations. Well, if they're non-government, why the fuck do you have to say they're non-government? Is the name alone meant to dis to throw you off like the Patriot Act? Non-government organizations are absolutely government organizations. Then all of a sudden, it's just a system. And you know what they do? In 1971, they remove the backing of the gold. Why? Because now they need to fund the system. And how, oh, how are we going to fund an ever-growing socialist system? <gasps> A progressive monetary system. I'll be damned. Let's use and funnel the inflation that we produce into the entities that we want to grow. And use them for slush funds. Huh? And use them for slush funds. Yep, and use them for slush funds. We, and Patrick, you'll probably remember this even clearer than I do. I remember in the early, early mid-80s, maybe late 80s also, hearing about these government uh, like surveys and like government tests on which flavor of 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 ketchup do the American people mm -hmm. 
what's the American people's favorite color? Funded by the federal government. Now, think about this. And I want you to apply it to today. All of that information is the equivalent of your metadata in your phone right now. When you're searching through and your wife's shopping on Amazon right now because it's Amazon Prime Day or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, an ad, it pops up. And it's exactly what she's been looking for. Thank God for the algorithm. Well, those early scientific studies of the preference of the American people was the government-funded algorithmic learning of the American psyche. How can we manipulate the American people. Well, we know that this is their favorite sweetener. We know that this is their favorite color. We know that um, that if the American people are asked, choose a number, one through 20, that the number one number chosen is 11. If you've got all this metadata in your government, what can you do with it? Right. Can you manipulate elections using little words in marketing? Can you partner up with, say, some mainstream media people, Operation Mockingbird. And can you write a certain script every evening and have every media outlet repeat the exact same words that we've studied that if, if you want to shift the perception of your audience and you want them to have a favorable reaction, you don't use the word good. You use the word super. Or you don't use the word amazing. You use the word incredible because we've done our studies and we know that 61% of the American people prefer the word amazing over great. All we have been socially engineered thanks to Sigmund Freud and his lovely progressive nephew, 
uh, what's his name, Patrick? Royalty in marketing. Oh, uh, um, uh, no, it wasn't Burnett. It was, uh, oh, shit. Oh, uh, who, yes, Edward Bernays. That was um, Edward Bernays. I think that was it, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yep. His uncle was Sigmund Freud. He's who coined the term uh, uh, um, PR, public relations. Right. Exactly. The father of public relations referred to in his obituary as the father of public relations. What is public relations? Is that not your your messaging to the public? And if you can manipulate through language and know how to phrase something right to give a positive or negative response, you control them. Because they don't know they're being controlled. They just they're just listening to an ad. They're just hearing a commercial. It is a common, it is a combination. Shut up, Siri's little sister. It's a combination of, of psychology and chemical. manipulation in our food that leads to the brainwashing and the slavery. Why do you think so many of our children are on all these medications for shit that they can't even diagnose with a test? Ask you, you want to fuck with a doctor? Ask them to prove that a child has attention deficit disorder. And watch you get the blankest fucking stare ever. Well, Johnny's a little erratic. You mean the four-year-old? Yeah. Yeah, he's fucking four. He's a little erratic. What do you think him to act? You think he should be acting like a 35-year-old, you know, college-educated individual by now? The little Johnny's a little slow. <laughs> he still thinks that boogers taste good. 
This is what we're dealing with. Right. Real fast. Yeah. Edward Bernays married a woman named Doris Fleischman. Fleischman? Fleischman Hillard. I'll be damned. Public relations firm. International. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. So would, would you say that he kind of jumped into that blood, bloodline? I, I I don't know if he did or if, if she jumped into his. I'm not quite sure. It's, um, it's exactly what the royals have done forever. You take this king and this king of this country or this country, and all they've done <coughs> is replace country with industry. Right. If you have you have a a a high level, you know, uh, owner of industry, and then he has a son who marries into oh I don't know somebody tied into media. Why do you think so many people in Washington? Are married to so many people in media. You ever look into that little fucking hive? There are so many senators and bureaucrats and FBI agents and CIA agents that are married to executive producers and people that are on the uh, the editorial board at the New York Times. It's it's all it's all bloodlines. It's all the Illuminati. Yeah, but at some point, at some point, the Habsburg factor comes into play. <clears throat> What's that mean? That means you start running the bloodline so thin that you know you you end up with some. Uh, negative impact on the um, genetic structure. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and they were notorious for having these elongated chins and just being ugly as the hind end oh. of a dog and crazy as shit. Look at some of the old royalty over in England. Do you know why they yeah. came up with the white wig? Their heads were elongated yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and those beady eyes yes and that shit goes back to egypt oh yeah well that was, oh, it, it's it's that was brothers and sisters that was you know yeah and who's and i know i've said this on the show before who's the only um first lady that didn't have to change her name when she got married. Wasn't Roosevelt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they were cousins. Yeah, well, I mean, cousins. if if you, yeah, that, yeah, she was scary looking. And Not that he was a charmer. Not that he was a charmer. 
of their children committed suicide. Sure. They only had one, I think one, one of the girls were normal. The other two girls, one of, uh, one of them died like right after birth. The other went back shit crazy. They put her in an insane asylum and she wound up eventually killing herself. And the other, the son, actually killed himself. Um, I don't remember when. That's what happened with the Bush family here in the St. Louis. That's why I said, or no, I'm, I'm or not Bush, Limp, the Limp family, because yeah. they kept interbreeding. And that's a whole, the lit, you want to learn about some plucked up shit, read some history on the Limp family and where they came from. They were absolutely batshit crazy. And they were royalty uh, or a branch of royalty in, uh, in like Scandinavia or something like that. But they didn't marry outside of their bloodlines from like 1860 until 1965. I think they literally were marrying like like nephews and and cousins and sisters and having children with each other it it was just crazy and and that all revolves around Charles Darwin because Charles Darwin came up with this completely drug induced fucking theory and I do mean drug induced theory that that you could breed perfection into humanity oh yeah bingo welcome eugenics yeah and illuminati of the time jumped on that shit like you wouldn't believe right and then after about one generation doing it they started having little tards pop out like one eye's up here and, and ears over here. And you're like, what's going on with this shit? Ah, Nothing. Elephant man. Uh, elephant man. Yeah, it, it's, it's, and see, you would think that a, an intelligent person like Charles Darwin, druggy, uh, uh, would have figured out that the reason that they were having the birth defects was because, and it's in the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, because of the frequencies of the souls and the frequency that shape the bodies inside the womb, the voice of God. 
the reason that the children were born with all these like fucking deformities and shit is was because the frequency that shapes the embryo as it's as it splits that frequency if the dna's are too close they they echo off of each other and anybody who's done any research into cancer and the um, the human cell is the mountain the cell changes shape because of an echo there's there, there's medical machinery that is called an echograph or an echogram or whatever it is it's to actually pick up the frequency of the body You think I just make this shit up out of nowhere? No. It's just, luckily for me, my brain is works in a way where it's all linked. And, and literally, I can, well, not literally see it, but when I think of it, boom, it's a straight line. It's, it, but yet Charles Darwin in all of his grand fucking drug induced knowledge couldn't read the Old Testament and go, huh, I think this voice of God thing that brings down mountains may have something to do with the creation of life inside the womb of a woman. But oh no, he was too intelligent. He was too intelligent to waste his time with that magic stuff. You know where we came from? From a bunch of fucking sludge. That's Charles Darwin's theory that through natural creative destruction, as he wishes he could have called it, we evolved. Really? Did we now? Well, Mr. Darwin, can, can you explain to me how evolution would have shaped the anticipation of the need of the thumb. I'll wait. So that evolution, you know, when we're climbing out of the fucking sludge, genetically saw the foresight 
or had the foresight to anticipate that the sludge climbing out is going to need uh, something to walk on solid land. How did the sludge know there was fucking solid land? Did the sludge fling a fucking piece of sludge out there for a recon message? Hey, Bobby, go out there and see what kind of shit we're dealing with. Yes, sir, Captain Sludge. When you apply logic, Charles Darwin's theories fall apart like his drug-induced hallucinations with all of his hookers. It's all bullshit, people. It's 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 all bullshit. All right. I'm gonna wrap this video up. I think I've exposed enough of their horseshit. You want to know where we came from? Read the old testament and believe. Most of it. Then understand how humanity's knowledge evolved. Understand why God flooded the planet. Understand why he chose Noah. It wasn't because he was a fine, upstanding citizen. It was because he lived out in the middle of fucking nowhere and was not chemically altered DNA. Why do you think God said, hey, grab two of each and build a big fucking boat? Do you think he said grab two of each so that each animal wouldn't fucking be lonely? No. Saving the purity of the bloodlines of the creatures that God had created. At, I'm, I'm telling you folks, the amount of lies that we've been told and for any Antifa people watching, God, I'm sure your head's already blown off. Your whole, if you're walking around holding up a sign that has a, and I saw this on a, on a video, holding up a sign of Karl Marx, understand the fucktard that you're holding up the sign for. The guy was a womanizing alcoholic that died broke and basically was a piece of shit that never showered. And, and he wrote, actually he didn't finish it. Someone else had to finish it. Uh, he wrote El Capital. And you know why he never finished it? Because he couldn't come up with a conclusion 
that made it make sense. So you know what they did? The last two chapters of El Capital basically says socialism has no finality. That it's such a wise philosophy that it does not require any mathematical resolution. So, you wrote a book criticizing capitalism, pushing socialism, and when you reach the last few chapters where it was going to be such a blockbuster of an ending showing that capitalism was the roots of all evil and socialism was basically Jesus Christ in his just best Sunday outfit. You stopped writing because you, you finally reached the conclusion that math exists. Welcome to Socialism. It's a book that was never finished because it can't be. That's why, like every socialist before, why didn't socialists work last time? Well, because they didn't do it right. But we're funner. Are you? You figured out the last two chapters, did you? What about math did you figure out that the last retards fucking couldn't figure out either? Well, we've got this new modern monetary theory. Really? A printing press and damn good marketing. Oh, what? What? So... There is no bottom line. It doesn't zero out. No. With a population growth, you do not have to have a uh, limited supply in order to uh, uh, reserve purchasing power. No shit. Hmm. Pretty sure that's exactly what Keynes said in 1929. But turned out he was full of shit, too. Yeah. So, everybody, have a great day. We're just living through the next iteration of stupid socialists who think they can take a turd, polish it with some fucking marketing, and sell it to us as a Snickers. Just exactly. Patrick Lone Wolf, just keep adding zeros, baby. Right. right. <laughs> While the rest of us who use logic look, look around at the youth that are out there marching and protesting, led by the stupid liberal women that 
basically color their hair because they're already ugly and they know that no one wants to pluck them. So why not make themselves uglier? Let's watch this iteration, generation of dipshits totally fuck themselves into an ideology, an ideological corner, just like they did in 1969, where it's all going to fizzle out once the drugs wear off and once the women realize that there are ugly people that will marry them. They're just ugly men. Everyone have a great day. There's someone for Love you, brother. Long day. That's all right. Um, Everyone have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.